Okay, back for part two, and I'm going to pick right back up where we left off on the previous episode, and in the previous episode, we were right in that December, January time of finishing up those applications, um, getting ready to hit submit, so here we are um, picking up in February, and beginning of February, um, kind of slow, you might still be submitting a few things, um, but by mid-February, all of your applications should be turned in, so uh, once those applications are turned in, that's when it starts to be tough because that is when the patience has to kick in because um, you're just kind of hanging out waiting for when you're going to hear back from schools. Um, and schools, especially the ones I applied to and from talking to my other classmates who applied to schools, all of them gave zero promises as far as a timeline. <laughs> and in my experience, I had applications due all the way from January 18th to February 1st and I heard back from one of my schools beginning on February 9th, and my last admission offer was March 1st. So there's a really big range. Um, and honestly, I, I really don't feel like there's a lot that can prepare you for that waiting. Um, it's, it's just kind of a weird time. Like I remember being excited, but also nervous. Um, but I also don't think I've ever been more on edge every time my phone or my watch buzz because you just never know when you're going to hear back. Like other than that, you're probably going to get that notification Monday through Friday during business hours, you know, but, but when you do get those emails or possibly a phone call, um, don't think you have to have an answer right away. Uh, you have to like, take your time to think process, weigh the offers that you have. Um, like I talked about in the last episode, you know, maybe, you got a scholarship or you got a GA ship with your admission offer. So kind of compare that against other offers that you have. Um, and maybe that's another offer of acceptance uh, or another, excuse me, not acceptance, but another offer of admission. Maybe you're comparing that against a waitlist offer. Um, but either way, take your time and think, um, make sure you feel right about the decision. Um, but some schools are also gonna do interviews. And that would be kind of part one of a two-part process um, where they're going to interview you before they offer you full admission. And, and an interview is a good sign. That's something to be encouraged by. Um, but it's also something to, to take seriously and to prepare for. And some questions that you're going to kind of want to think about that, you know, our potential interview questions are the classic tell me about yourself. <laughs> and, and this is one you should definitely think about. Um, also some advice I was given uh, and advice that I want to give to you kind of in the whole like interview approach process is that the especially for grad school um, and I guess you could really say this for uh, when you're going to apply for jobs and stuff but you have to go into that interview assuming that those people who are interviewing you know absolutely nothing about you. And I think this is especially important to keep in mind if you have an interview with the school that you did your undergraduate program at. Um, because you probably have, um, you know, either already made relationships with those people or you at least recognize their face and they recognize yours, you know? So just remember that when you're going into that interview, they know absolutely nothing about you. Like, don't even assume that they've read your resume, that they've read your cover letter, that they know anything about you personally, other than that they are supposed to meet you um, at a certain time for an interview. So, you know, even though you typically want to avoid being redundant, in this case, it's okay 
because again you're assuming that they know nothing about you um but interviews want to see that you um, bring up points on your resume or in your cover letter so that's kind of the classic tell me about yourself question um and a couple you know general tips guidelines but another question to think about is identifying strengths and weaknesses that you have personally professionally and academically um, and some of those strengths and weaknesses might overlap and and that's totally fine but think about those different things and if it helps you to write them out then absolutely go for it um, that's actually what I did um, I went through and wrote my ideas and bullet points out so I had a chance to organize my thoughts and then I read them out loud too so I had some practice saying them and and it wasn't that I was trying to like memorize them um, but more make sure I knew the points that I wanted to cover in my answers and as far as memorization goes I wouldn't necessarily say to memorize your answers um, because I think that sometimes those memorized answers might seem scripted um, and you definitely want to sound genuine um, and that you know what you're talking about so as best you can find that balance between being too scripted but also knowing the points that you want to make in your answer and and that kind of goes for I guess really really every question here um, but besides strengths and weaknesses you know being able to give a brief description about yourself you're going to want to identify and you know have those bullet points of your interests and goals related to the profession because they're most likely going to ask some question related to areas of the field you're interested in and the goals that you have for your career and you know whether that question is to probe you know would we be able to give you a good external placement or if that question is more to probe like are you thinking about the future? Are you thinking, you know, are you using your career goals to drive you through graduate school? You know, obviously you're not 100% sure on their intention, but you can control what you can. And that's just giving them the best answer possible by thinking about your the interests and the goals that you have related to the program um, or the field, excuse me. And then other types of questions um, might be more situational based where the intervi interviewer might say like, okay, if you were in a situation of academic dishonesty or something like your supervisor was going to do something unethical or you witnessed them doing something unethical, like how would you deal with this situation? So I, I obviously have no idea what um, situational question they might throw at you. Those are, are only some examples that just kind of popped into my head but do pre-prepare to possibly um, have to think on your feet and answer a situational question like that. Another common area of questions asked in interviews for grad school um, has to do with criti criticism, excuse me, um, and like how you handle it and also how you've overcome those challenges uh, because graduate school is, is a really refining process. You know, you're taking the skills that you already have and you're just getting better at them and learning more skills at the same time. And so to be better and learn more skills, we have to have criticism and feedback and guidance. Like that's how we get better. And so um, they're they, you know, they might ask a question about that because there's a lot of, you know, construction and like or criticism, um, construction of your your possible clinician. Like there's a lot of that in grad school. So they kind of want to know how you take that and then the last type of question might have to do with like the skills that you bring to the program um, and why you chose that program so you know maybe you have a strength of being a team player or you chose a program because you'd be able to research something novel or 
They offer something that most programs don't. And, and the reason I say to like be solid in those answers and to think about that is because as much as, you know, the people sitting across the table um, or on the other screen, depending, you know, if you're interviewing on Zoom, but basically the people interviewing you obviously want to get to know you, but an interview is a two-way street. So that's your opportunity to um, also display to them why you want to go to the program and ask questions about their program. Um, you know, they want to hear why you want to come to their school and you should definitely tell them about that and, and tell them the good things about their program. A couple other tips um, before we move to later February and March. Um, but a couple other tips I have for interview is that when you go, like make sure you're dressed professionally. Uh, not that, you know, if you, if you show up um, in something that they're just immediately going to like X you off the list, but like just keep in mind that you should be dressed professionally um, and to have good posture in your chair uh, or, you know, maybe you're standing, but bottom line, good posture um, because nonverbal communication and body language is something that interviewers typically take note on. Um, they want to see that you're confident, that you're prepared, um, Eye contact is, again, really important. So kind of think about those nonverbal conversational type of things um, when you go to interview. So like I said, with earlier February and March, um, those admission offers might be coming back. Um, interview Invitations for interviews might be taking place. Um, and when admission offers come back, you know, it's a fun time, but it can also be really difficult, especially if you get a letter or a phone call um, from a school that, it, you know, it doesn't say what you're hoping it that it would. And, and those letters can say a couple different things. You know, those letters might say that you were offered full admission um, where you've been admitted to the program. Um, you might also have a financial aid offer with that admission. And then obviously the next step for that is for you to, you know, kind of discern that decision um, and based on what you think to then accept the offer if you'd like. Um, but that letter also might say that you were waitlisted, um, that you were not admitted to the program. Um, but if someone declines their admission offer, that you are on a list of people that would be contacted if a spot in the cohort comes up. And, and some schools will tell you the position that you are on the waitlist and some won't. And from my experience, if you ask, they're likely going to say something professional like, that is information I'm unable to share at this time, you know, something like that. So uh, the offer of a waitlist spot can be hard. It, it can, and I say that from personal experience, um, cause it's like, well, if I knew where I stood on the waitlist, I might choose to stay on it, but I also might choose to get off. You know, there's, I think there's a big difference between being, you know, top five of a hundred or 80 through a hundred, you know? So, but bottom line, like waitlisting can be tough. Um, I got a waitlist offer back from a school, um, that I felt like I was personally qualified to get into. Um, but I, I was informed that just based on the number of applicants, they just had to weed out certain people. Um, so the, the selection criteria got really, really firm and the bar was raised. But, you know, I got that waitlist offer back and, and I remember <laughs> I was so put out by that. I, uh, and if you talk to my roommates, they'll, they'll tell you it's pretty emotional. Um, and you know, whether that was crying or just upset, 
Uh, and I was like, that's it. I'm not going to be a speech pathologist. I am going to go to something else with my career. I'm not going to do this. Obviously, I'm not meant to uh, be a speech path if I didn't get into this school. Um, and so as much as you're going to feel those feelings of insecurity, and, and that might go with uh, a waitlist offer, um, but also the unfortunate situation of being denied admission, um, I definitely do not think it is wrong to feel that way and for those insecurities to creep in um, or that self-doubt. But what I do want to say is that do not let that completely discourage you. Wait until all of your offers are back and then assess. Um, and and along with that decision-making, um, I just, I think it's smart to wait until you have all those, all those decisions back. Um, unless you're like, absolutely dead set on getting into one school, um, I I would really wait. Wait and weigh those offers um, because all of them are going to get back to you by the end of March. And then you have until April 15 to submit a decision. Um, and I know for some programs, if they offer you like money or a GA ship, you might have to accept sooner than that. And so that can kind of complicate your decision process. But typically, you're gonna have all the way until the April 15 deadline. And that's not something that just was the deadline this year. Um, that is the national speech pathology program deadline is April 15th. So take your time, make that decision. Um, I, I say that from a standpoint because of what I did personally. Um, I did not submit any acceptance or any denials of offers until the 8th of April because I wanted time to see the programs, weigh the options of the schools, ask some more questions, um, and wait for their offers. And then once you feel like you have that decision made and that this is the right choice for you, um, then you can go ahead and let the school know. And this is another process where you have to be really careful and follow the directions. Um, I know some schools I applied to, I had to go back onto the application portal and click a button like I accept or I deny. Um, and some of them I had to send an email and some of them I had to go on the portal and send an email. So really read those letters um, and pay attention carefully to those instructions of how to accept or deny, uh, whether that be an admission offer or even a waitlist offer. Some schools will ask that you acknowledge that you're on the waitlist um, or they'll ask you, you know, to respectfully say like, hey, I'm not going to be on the waitlist. And that's just being courteous to the other people on the waitlist, you know, um, but if your acceptance or denial includes an email, I encourage you to be very thoughtful. This is just another contact between you and that person um, and a way for a school to get to know you and another opportunity to make a good impression whether you are accepting or denying their admission. So be thoughtful, be professional in, in that email. And the whole graduate process um, not excuse me, not graduate process, but graduate school admission process. It's just like a roller coaster of emotions. <laughs> I know I felt like overwhelmed, excited, I was nervous, and I was definitely stressed. And I'm gonna just be really forward in saying that because there are ways, you know, there are ways to manage that stress and manage those feelings. And again, what I'm about to share is just coming like from what I did personally. And so I found that staying organized and knowing when my deadlines were helped reduce my stress substantially. Um, I created um, a little checklist on 
on a Word document that I listed out everything I needed to do for every single school and then I highlighted it when I was done. And so you can sometimes get stressful when you have a lot to get done or you have, you know, back-to-back deadlines and you don't know what you have to get done. Um, But also when you keep an organized list like that, it's really rewarding to see like, okay, you know, I, I only have one thing left for this school or whatever. So basically I'm just encouraging you to stay organized and know when your deadlines are. Also remember in the whole entire application process, like control what you can control. You control when you submit your applications, you know, submit them on time for sure, but um, you control when you submit them and you control the materials that you put into your application. And once you hit submit, the entire process is out of your control until you have the opportunity to make a decision. And and that is, that's tough. It's tough to wait. It's tough to not be in control, but just rest in the fact that like you only have control up to a certain point and beyond that you're waiting on someone else. Um, and that's, that's not easy, but it's just kind of the nature of the situation. Um, and with the control, what you can control type of thing, like get good at waiting because you do a lot of that in this process. You do a lot of waiting, um, you know, to, to hear back on questions answered, to hear back on offers, lots of it. So just as best you can get good at waiting and being patient. Um, but switching gears out of the waiting, but still still tips on stress management, um, ask questions and advocate for yourself. And that's through the whole process. That goes all the way from researching schools to um, making your final uh, decision to accept or deny the school. Ask questions and advocate for yourself. If you are not um, getting your questions answered or you're having issues on SIDCAS, persistence is not a bad thing, but be polite in that persistence too. I also, I do want, do want to add that um, because, you know, the graduate school admission process is, is emotional. And sometimes I remember just being frustrated and wanting to write a really angry email to SIDCAS saying, I don't know what the heck you did with my transcript, but you better find it. And, and that was strictly out of anger. So just just think, make sure all of your, your communication and, and your position to advocate for yourself is professional and thoughtful. Um, and then last couple things, like just stay in your own lane and worry about your own graduate school journey or your own post undergrad journey, whatever that looks like. You know, I'm not saying that strictly for the students who are looking at grad school, but also the students who have graduated with their uh, SLHS or CSD undergrad, and they're looking at what the path looks like for them. Like, just stay in your own lane and worry about your own journey. Um, but also like be genuinely happy for others who are on their own journey too. Um, whether that looks like yours or it doesn't look like yours. And I think, you know, comparison is just a thief of joy. And it can be so easy just to like, like look at someone else's path and be like, well, if I would have only done this or if I would have only done that or, you know, there's no way I'm going to get a job because I didn't get into this school. And that's just not true. You are, you are in your own lane for a reason. You will go to the right school that's for you. Um, and you will be on the right path that is for you, whether you go to school or not. So if I can just encourage you with that, that just like stick to your own lane and control what you can control. Um, I just, I cannot, cannot say that enough because 
there are certain elements that you just, you have to control what you can, leave the rest to someone else and stay in your own lane. So I just, I've loved recording this episode, you guys. Um, after presenting on this information with Carly and Merritt and seeing the impact that it had, I knew that it was a topic I had to cover on the podcast. Um, and I really wanted it to have a permanent place here on the podcast. And, and now both episodes will, which is great. And I'm planning to keep you all updated and take you along on the graduate school journey. Um, so, you know, if you're thinking about attending grad school soon um, or are attending grad school soon, I would love for you to keep following along on the podcast um, and learn more about what grad school is like from my perspective. And based on any content we've talked about today or any content moving forward, I'm more than willing to answer any questions, um, provide resources, or point you in the best direction that I can for those of you that are entering this phase um, of kind of looking at what comes after undergrad. So please, please reach out if you have um, any questions. And I'm going to include a brief summary, um, and that'll be kind of in a bulleted list format, um, but that'll be your show notes for today. And you'll see the general timeline that I followed during the graduate application process. Uh, and I feel like that'll be much more beneficial than you having to go through the episode um, and write it all out yourself. But hey, if you want to take notes on the episode, that is completely fine too, whatever works for you. Um, but I hope to all have you all back next week listening um, as it will be episode two of the mini series with my guests um, sharing about their hometowns. And so next week's episode will be with a guest, Devin, um, and she's going to share with us all about Detroit Lakes, Minnesota, um, and all the fun things to do there. So it is a true joy, and I feel very privileged to be able to have this platform um, and be creative on it and to have you all as listeners. So thank you so much, and have a blessed day. I'll be back next Friday at 9. 